This message is from Icon, from Community, Icon Church. Community Church. Icon is a church located in Metro located Atlanta. Located in Metro Atlanta. Atlanta. Defined by grace, 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 community, community, community and renewal. renewal. Community and renewal. For more information, please visit our website at iconcommunitychurch.org. At iconcommunitychurch.org. Or follow us on Facebook. Instagram. A Twitter. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. It was called the Play of the Year by Sports Illustrated. Uh, An Ohio hometown paper called it the touchdown heard all the way around the world. And it eventually became a movie, this incredible story. It was a story about a 17-year-old boy uh, named Jake Porter. Uh, He was a member of the Northwest High School football team uh, in McDermott, Ohio. Now, Jake was born with a a rare developmental uh, disability. He had uh, been born with a a chromosomal fragile X uh, syndrome, which causes uh, a lack of mental development. And so there were many things that he couldn't do. He couldn't read. He could barely write his name on a piece of paper. But he was committed to showing up to his high school's football practice faithfully. He would show up. He had a position on the team. He would have pads. He would show up for every practice. And that includes both basketball and track, too. He just was so committed to the athletics of his local high school that he he attended. And so he would show up and be at practices and be uh, encouraging everyone else and lifting uh, them up. But in the three years that he had been on the team, he never played in a game. They kind of just knew that, you know, whatever it was that that was necessary in order to help win games, he didn't have that skill set. And so he could practice and help the team get ready, but he would never play until this one game in which Northwest High School was losing 42 to zero. And the coach had decided to put Jake in the game. And the play design was simply for him to get the handoff and just take a knee. They were losing by by 42 points. So they weren't expecting to run any plays. They were just going to take a knee and end the game. And so the coach went to the opposing coach and and started walking through what the plan was going to be. And from the sidelines, all you saw were people kind of, the the two coaches kind of throwing their hands up, almost seemingly arguing with each other. And no one really knew why. The ref went over, broke up the spat, whatever was going on, and they went on to run the play. And when the play begins, they hand the ball off to Jake. And next thing you know, Jake runs the wrong direction. The ref has to go back to him and tell him what direction to run in. And then he begins to run. And all of a sudden, the opposing team parts and just cheers him on as Jake is running all the way for this touchdown. And in that moment, Jake didn't just have 10 teammates. He had 21 teammates on the field. The opposing team lifting up their helmets, cheering his name. The crowd with with fans from both teams standing up, shouting Jake's name. And Jake runs all the way to the touchdown to just raucous applause. Everyone, there are people crying. There are people cheering. He is turning. He is excited. Everybody's lifting him up. And what we found out was that that little argument on the side between the two coaches, it wasn't because they they didn't like or one coach didn't want this to happen. The opposing coach actually didn't like that Jake was just going to take a knee. The opposing coach said, no, let him score. And then he went to his team and told his his team, listen, I don't want you guys to lay a hand on him. Get out of the way and let him score this touchdown. It was incredible because that story, which later became a movie, that story moved so many people. Why do stories like those, why do stories like this move us this way? 
Why are our hearts moved to the degree that people can be moved to the point of tears? There's this desire to want to see something like that happen. Somebody who was given so much and likely will never have a shot to do a certain thing that they've dreamed of. And when we see them able to accomplish something that we didn't or they didn't think they could, why does that encourage our hearts so much? Something superficial, like a game, like a sporting event, can still highlight genuine concern can still highlight the kind of sacrificial love uh, shown to another. We love seeing people with pure intentions encouraging someone else who wants to participate and wants to give their all. Now listen, I I bring this up because as followers of Jesus, we have forgotten, we can so often overlook the fact that living out our faith is a team sport. Living out our faith is not something to be done in isolation. It's not uh, something to be done as if we are living on an island. We are never called to practice island Christianity. We are never called to, to go it alone. First Thessalonians puts it this way, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up as you are already doing. This should be what is true of the church. This should be what is true of of what any church's uh, vision and mission should include. Many reasons exist for us to ask, why do we even need the church? Next week, and we're going to start talking about the aspect of church hurt, and we're going to talk about uh, the legitimate reasons that people have felt so hurt and and in many ways even victimized by the church without any real healing and without any real repentance and without any real reconciliation. And so there are people who do feel like, because I know I've had legitimate issues and legitimate pain from the church, I therefore believe that I do not have need of the church. And I wanted to, to sensitively challenge some of our thinking on that. This isn't to say that there aren't plenty of unhealthy situations that we should not be in. And there are indeed churches that have created horrible, toxic environments that I would encourage us to leave. But that does not mean that the church itself isn't needed by us. We do need the church. Why do we even need the church? Last week, we talked about this on a very macro scale, right? What the grand vision of God is for the church. And today, I want us to look at this on a micro level. I want you to think about this. Why? Ask yourself, why do I need the church? I'm asking you, why do you really need the church? And I believe that the scriptures show us that one of the primary reasons that we need the church is because we are always in need of encouragement. We are always in need of encouragement. Now, we're going to talk about what encouragement really means. Because <clears throat> there are some things that we need to we need to settle on some definitions here, because you might be surprised at what encouragement really does look like for Christians. So let's start with this. A, why do we need encouragement? Think about what we see in the scriptures about what it means to walk with Jesus. This walk of faith, in a nutshell, listen to these things that must be true, that we are telling people that we have seen in scripture should be true of those who follow Jesus. Overcoming life-dominating sins. 
loving our enemies, considering other people more important than ourselves, regular scripture reading and prayer with God and spending real time with God and with others, serving when there appears to be no fruit or recognition from others, receiving reproof and correction, giving thanks in the midst of our trials, forgiving others when they sin against us, rejoicing in the Lord always, living lives above reproach, loving our neighbor individually and corporately through pursuing and advocating for justice. Ultimately, all of these things that we've talked about is that is, is what we have seen summed up in what we call the great requirement of Micah 6.8, right? Do justice, love mercy, walk humbly with God. All of those things are things that should be true of us as Christians. Let's just be real. How are you doing with that? Can we be honest and say these things aren't easy? Can we be honest and say that sometimes we fail at doing these things? Can we be honest and say that while we know that these are things that we're called to, that we are expected to pursue, it can feel pretty heavy and weighty at times? I mean, we we say that we are being formed into the image of Jesus and we want to love, live, and walk like him. First John tells us the one who says he abides in him ought to walk in the same manner as he walked. So, So that walk gets pretty difficult at times, doesn't it? Some of us are walking with the limp, aren't we? What that means is we truly need to be encouraged to do these things encouraged to stay strong and persevere in these things. Encouragement helps us to effectively do all of those things. Now, when we're encouraged, when you're encouraged, you can approach the difficult things with joy. You're able to overcome on some level despair and frustration. You're able to feel that that you're actually making some kind of a difference in the lives of others. You're able to better receive instruction. You're better to, uh, to you're able to better receive correction. You're able to grow in faith and grow in hope. You're able to approach your walk with Jesus with vigor and motivation and realize the compassion and the concern for others. With all of that said, I I think you would agree. There is no doubt that we are always in need of encouragement. We're always in need of being reminded and even corrected and pushed and, and, and cajoled sometimes into moving in these directions. We need encouragement. Now, if we agree that we need encouragement because we need to constantly be pushed towards these good works and pushed to make sure that on a heart level these things are true, and with our hands they're true, and the way that we live our lives they're true, if we agree that we need to be encouraged that way, the next question then logically follows, where do we get it? Where do we get this kind of encouragement? How do we find it? Now, in answering that question, I'll just say this. This is, uh, Jen would even be better to, to make this joke than I. When you're teaching kids, you know, the answer is always God. You, you can never go wrong. No, it would be bad for a teacher to go, nope, that's wrong. It's not God. So yes, the answer, where do we get this kind of encouragement? Yes, from God. And this is always the right answer. God is the author of our, of our faith. He's the source of all of our comfort. It is incumbent upon all of us uh, to make every effort then to spend time with God, to spend time praying for God to encourage us in our efforts 
to live a life that pleases him and increasingly looks like God. So yes, the answer is God. But, I say but here because I'm not saying that 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 answer isn't enough, but it might not be enough if we don't understand how God actually does this. So yes, we need to get encouragement from God, but we need to dig a little bit deeper to find out how God actually brings that real encouragement. Now, in the opening verses of Paul's letter to to, to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians, uh, he puts it this way in 2 Corinthians uh, 1, verses 2 through 5. Here's how Paul puts it. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our afflictions so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For just as the sufferings of Christ are yours in abundance, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. Do do you catch this? There's this interesting connection between the comfort that we receive from God and that same comfort we then bring and disseminate out to others. God's comfort. I want you to understand this. When you look at 2 Corinthians and you look at the things that Paul was going through here, you realize there were some of the hardest things that were going on in Paul's life during this time. And there were some heavy things that Paul was facing during this time. Incredible persecution, the threat of death hovering over him, many times having to travel under the cover of night so that people don't capture him and possibly kill him. Trying And the whole time, he's not even worried about his life as much as he is concerned about what's happening to other Christians in these churches that he's planted. All these areas where people are worried about being persecuted themselves. And he's carrying the weightiness of that. And then he's carrying the weightiness of the fact that there are some people who are even questioning his own authority as one who was following Jesus and teaching on his behalf. So Paul is one who definitely was in need of encouragement and comfort. And he speaks to this comfort that he's received. But understand, God's comfort in this case was not some mystical, mysterious thing. Many times, I believe, that we tell people, and we do this ourselves, we just think our primary comfort is through this ethereal thing that God is just doing within us, and that's it, apart from anyone else. And I think that's dangerous. It's not to say that we aren't supposed to be in our own place of solace with God and our own independent place alone with God. We need that. And places to consecrate and be with God. Those things are so important and there is comfort in that. No question. And sure, God can and does work directly through the Spirit. But more often than not, God uses secondary means in order to bring comfort. God uses secondary means to bring comfort. Rarely is it just, and I received this thing from God and that's where my comfort was. It can be that. And sometimes in our lives, there are things that happen that way. But the majority of the time, and the way that God has designed comfort to work based on the passage we just read, is the whatever comfort that we have, we bring to others. Many times the comfort of God comes through these secondary means, which are the people of God. And keep in mind, secondary means is still God's comfort. Secondary means doesn't mean God is not the author and and the, and the undergirder of all of that. And see, this is where the church comes in. God uses his people to provide encouragement to his people. We cannot make it 
without each other. You see, if the other thing were true, if God's primary way of doing this was just individually with everybody else, then we really could just post up and be on our own by ourselves and just choose when we want to get together because we could say, but my best times are just my time with God by myself and I'm good. A lot of danger in that. Not to say that there aren't times where that's super helpful, but there's a lot of danger in that because if the primary way where you get comfort from God is by yourself, how do you know when you're wrong? How do you know that what you think you are getting from God is true? How do you know that there's, there's a reason why the scripture tells us to test all things? I can't test things based off my own subjective experiences with God. I have to test things by the very word of God. And so I have to be in community with people so that we can wrestle through the scriptures and go, that thing that subjectively I felt like I was getting from God, help me press this through the scriptures. Help me look through the filter of the scriptures to make sure that what I think I'm hearing and what I think I'm seeing are accurate, is accurate. Help me to be able to know that for sure. That's a part of encouragement. So we, where do we get it? We get it from God primarily through these secondary means of God's people. It's one of the ways that God continues to build unity is to make us dependent on one another in order to gain our greatest sense of encouragement. And our greatest sense of encouragement should be from God through the community of his people. We do need the church because we need encouragement. So now let's talk about what encouragement actually is. Let me start with saying that encouragement is not just shallow. It's not just sentimentalism. One writer put it this way, spiritual encouragement, therefore, is applying biblical principles to every situation with a view toward bringing each person into right relationship with God. At times, spiritual encouragement may feel harsh. It may not be what one desires to hear. That may be true regardless of how gently the words are spoken. As people fallen from grace, we often don't want to hear the truth. We often just want to hear what will make us feel better. And in the end, however, only true spiritual encouragement can be used by God to touch the soul. What this author is basically saying is that encouragement is more than just sharing our feelings. Please hear me. Sharing our feelings, vitally important. We need to be able to know where we truly are. You need to know where my heart is. You need to know what I'm really feeling. You need to know where my pain is. You need to know where my fear is. You need to know where my uncertainty is. All those things we need to be aware of because that's how we know how to massage the truth of God's word into one another. This is how we know how to massage the gospel into one another. We need to know what we feel, okay? So don't hear me say, throw your feelings out the window. We need them. The issue, though, is our feelings can never be authoritative in these situations. They can't be the final authority. They are indicative of many things. They aren't, they aren't by themselves just authoritative. And that's one of the reasons why it's important that we do more in encouraging than just share our feelings, because we are called to still speak the truth in love. And sometimes speaking truth creates feelings that we do not like. And so if I think bad feelings means God's not there, then there are times where God is encouraging you and you think that's some type of an attack. And so you don't think God is in it any longer. So you go looking for places that make you feel better because that must be where God is. That's not encouragement. 
That's sentimentality. That's just looking for the right feelings. Another thing that encouragement is not, it is more than just mere flattery. This is also really important. Biblical encouragement is more than just mere flattery. Many times, flattery can be very encouraging. Don't get me wrong, right? People who are legitimately extolling good things about us and and encouraging you in ways that you are living your life and doing something that is praiseworthy, those things are good. But sometimes, in many times, flattery is nothing more than in sincere comments given with false motives to achieve our own benefits. We have to be very careful that we think that just because we gave a flattering comment that that serves as some form of encouragement. Be very careful about that because that's not necessarily the biblical form of encouragement either. It can be encouraging, don't get me wrong, but don't mistake that for that's the definition of biblical encouragement. Another thing biblical encouragement is not is false hope. This is a big one. Sometimes we fall into the trap of thinking that encouraging people means making promises that better circumstances will come tomorrow. This might sound almost out of left field for some of us, but let me tell you, we are not called in any way to make promises that we don't have the authority to even keep. You know, when we start making promises that better things are going to come necessary, when we just say like, I'm going to encourage you by telling you better is coming, things are going to get better, things are going to get better. Well, that's dangerous, number one, because we put ourselves in the place of God, who is the only one that can guarantee that things will get better. Because the bigger, because the question is, what happens if things get worse? What happens if in this promise that I made trying to encourage you, That a thing doesn't get better, but it gets worse. And so now you're left to think either A, was that person hearing from God when they said this and then all of a sudden it didn't, which means that I do something wrong. Does God not love me? I thought that this is what encouragement was supposed to be. That isn't it. There are plenty of times where the the only thing that we see in Scripture is there are promises that God makes to allow us to persevere to allow us to be able to hold on to a sense of joy even when we are not happy, to allow us to be able to hold on to certain things that remain true about God in the midst of things that are very difficult. I can't promise you things will always get better. I can promise you that God will always be there. I can promise you that somehow, some way, God is present and God is working to hold you. And somehow, whatever God's definition is of good for you, I can't tell you that. I can't say what is good. I just know God promises to work everything out for our good somehow. And so the only thing I can hold on to is, Lord, somehow, some way, you're going to define or redefine what good must be for me. And I have to hold on to that. That's the only promise we can make. But to do anything else, we think we're doing good and we think we're trying to encourage. But in many ways, that becomes a form of discouragement. We don't make promises that only God can keep. So these are, these are examples. When we talk about biblical encouragement, biblical encouragement is simply taking the truths of who God is, the promises that God makes, the call that God has put on all of our lives objectively from Scripture, and then reminding each other of it over and over and over again. 
And why do we need to be reminded? How many times do you see Paul and other authors in the Bible saying, I'm writing to remind you, I'm writing to remind you. Remember these things. Abide in the apostles' teaching. Remember the things that were said from the first thing. Remember the things that are of first importance. Why do we need to be reminded? Because we are always prone to forget, which is why we always need encouragement. That's what biblical encouragement is. So what are some examples in Scripture of encouragement? What are some things that we see in the Bible where you see that word encouragement or a form of that word encouragement being used so that we can see these examples laid out in Scripture? Let me give you a few. Hebrews 3, 13, but encourage one another day after day as long as it is still called today so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Hebrews 3, 13, think about that. So one reason or one way that we encourage is to continue to remind each other about all of these aspects we've already talked about. And even here, he says, do it daily, day after day. As long as you still have breath in your body, as long as it is today, as long as you exist, this should be the the habit of our heart. This should be the rhythm. This should be the modus operandi for each and every one of us. And why do we do it? Not so we can just give compliments, not so we can just feel better, but to, this is interesting, to ensure that none of us are hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. That means not only are we prone to forget, we are prone to be deceived. Our natural bent is to be prone to be deceived, to start believing, to be deceived is to start believing something that isn't true. And then when you believe something isn't true, you start to operate in a way that should not be true. Because wrong thinking leads to wrong feeling, leads to wrong acting. So now I'm not only believing something not true, I'm feeling things that I might legitimately feel, but they aren't true. And now I'm acting in a way that I should not act. So I need encouragement. I need to be reminded daily so that I don't succumb to this this default position that is a high likelihood of being deceived. Second Chronicles 3 puts it this way. He set the priests in their offices and encouraged them in the service of the house of the Lord. So anything that we're doing when we're saying, I want to be able to do this for God and I'm acting, uh, I'm trying to, whether it's some vocational ministry or just living our lives, trying to glorify God in all that we say and do. Being on mission with God is something we have to regularly be encouraged, in, in which we need to be encouraged. We need to be reminded, not only what am I doing, but why am I doing it? And how am I doing it? Those things need encouragement. Let's go back to the early church, Acts 14. Strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. What do we see here? The early church, dealing with any number of issues, including persecution, including uh, doubts, including naysayers all around, including people thinking these are just a bunch of crazy people. What were the believers doing? They were strengthening one another. And how were they strengthening each other? Encouraging them. What were they encouraging them to do? Continue in the faith. Why do we need to be encouraged to continue in the faith? Because we are prone to want to give up. You are prone to want to throw in the towel. And they even bring up, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Why? Because we are prone to want to throw in the the towel when tribulations ensue. It's real easy to keep wanting to serve God when everything's good. When things get tough, uncertain, painful, and real tribulation hits, We're not even thinking about the kingdom of God half the time. We're frustrated, we're angry, or at least we're prone to not think about the kingdom of God. So we need to be encouraged in the midst of our tribulation. 
Philippians 2. Here's uh, Paul talking to the church of Philippi. But I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly so that I also may be encouraged when I learn of your spiritual condition. There is an encouragement that we get not only when we are, uh, when we need help and we are encouraged by the gospel, we also find encouragement in seeing the gospel's impact on other people. We get encouraged when we see we are more emboldened to keep the faith and keep moving when we see the impact of God's word and God's spirit and the very gospel itself on the lives of others. Paul was so excited to be able to get a report about what was happening in the people uh, of this church that he had planted in Philippi. And so he wanted to learn more about where are you guys? What's happening spiritually? What does it look like to love God and love others well? I want to hear those stories because that encourages my heart. We see it again uh, in, in, uh, in, in 1 Thessalonians 2. Paul says, just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each one of you as a father would his own children so that you would walk in a manner worthy of God. Think about that again. Get really encouraged to be able to see people walking and following Jesus well. That should be something that's an encouragement for us. Maybe that's a question to ask. Do you find yourself encouraged when you see people walking well, when you see people following Jesus, when you see people loving well? Does that encourage your soul? If it doesn't, there's some other questions that you should be asking. Go back to the early church again, Acts chapter 15. Judas and Silas, also being prophets themselves, encouraged and strengthened the brethren with a lengthy message. Don't y'all complain about these long sermons no more. Y'all supposed to be encouraged. No, I'm kidding. Doing better. <laughs> but it's true, right? In here, the people were genuinely encouraged by these messages, as long as they may have been. They were encouraged by these messages because something about hearing the truths of God Something about understanding how I need to be believing the right thing and then finding ways to apply those things in relevant ways should be an encouragement to my soul because now I'm able to follow Jesus better. I'm able to fill in the gaps in my own thinking or understanding in my own spiritual gaps. I start filling them in because I'm being emboldened to follow him well. First Corinthians uh, Concerning Apollos, our brother, I encouraged him greatly to come to you with the brethren for ministry. Really straight to the point. Sometimes being able to encourage and be able to push people to go into areas of ministry that would be helpful, that are well-suited with what they've been called to do, that is also a part of encouraging. There's another example of encouraging in Romans 1. For I long to see you that I may be encouraged together with you while among you, each of us by the other's faith, both yours and mine. Again, the same thing again. Your faith encourages me. My faith encourages you. We need each other. And finally, uh, you see this even in the Old Testament of 1 Samuel. And Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David at Horish and encouraged him in God. I hope we're seeing this, right? We're seeing these examples where in many ways, our faith should be rubbing off on one another in times of tribulation and in times of great cheer. There's something about encouragement that either corrects us, encourages us, pushes us to keep moving forward, pushes us to keep holding on to God when everything around us says, let go. This is why we need the church. And let me tell you something. This is more than just something that we need. Doing this becomes infectious. It becomes infectious. Let's go back to the story I started with. I went to uh, one of the early articles that were written about this. And what was interesting is the aftermath 
after Jake Porter went on that incredible touchdown run. Something happened in those two towns because people started reporting that everybody who was at that game, a lot of the students, went back to their respective schools and their respective communities, and a wave of service began. People started, they said that the kids who functioned like bullies in their schools all of a sudden, they were doing things like going to some of the kids and helping. Kids that they would have bullied, they're going to actually help them. There were folks who were in certain special education classes, and all of a sudden, kids were clamoring to be able to help and get kids where they needed to get, helping the uh, kids to finish certain assignments. All of a sudden, one person said, uh, the two towns just seem to be treating one another better. Kids in those respective schools were, one kid said, I have this bully in one of my phys ed classes. He's a rough, out-for-himself type of kid. And the other day, I saw him helping a couple of kids just play basketball, and I about fell over. There's something about encouragement that becomes infectious. That's why we do this as the church. That's why we need this. Because somehow it begins to connect and run over and people start going, I'm formed by this and I am changed by this and I want to be a part of the change. So finally, I say, I answer this question. How do we give encouragement? We must begin with what we started with. We look to God. We ask him for a heart that genuinely cares for others. We ask him for an eye that's able to identify the needs and we ask him for a mouth that is always accurate with the scriptures. These are the things that we pray to God for first. And then apart from God working those things in our heart, our concerns, we realize, are only going to be self-centered and carnal. So we need that. We need to have his eyes. We need to have his heart. We need to have his mouth. And if we're really going to care about other people's betterment, their relationship with the living God, we have to ask God to give us that same desire. Second, we need help to clarify specific needs. It's super easy to pinpoint everybody else's faults. And sadly, a lot of people in church hear more negative gossip behind their back than they do positive encouragement to their face. That is something that we need to be very aware of and then praying that God would grant us the ability to look for the best in each other rather than their faults. That's really important. We need to be able to look for that because when I say the best, meaning what attributes of who God is are present so we can encourage those things. Yes, we include, if there are corrections that's needed, we include that. But man, people should probably be hearing a lot more from you and I, about from, from you and me, about exactly what is true, what is true about who God is in their lives. We need to be people that are very fluent in speaking that way. So you need to ask yourself, when I think about the things that I say, are the things that I say more just correction all the time or pointing out faults all the time? Or am I able to point out the attributes of God on display in people? Because that's what encouragement should look like as well. We must also spend time around other believers to identify specific areas in their lives that might be challenging or need help. The author of Hebrews stated, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. You realize that context, right? This command to encourage one another. It's joined to this command for this regular fellowship of believers. Because we need it. 
So if we are uh, just more haphazard and lax in our commitment to, to regularly spend time together, regularly be in community with one another, if we, are, uh, if we fall into that way of thinking or we're just quick to run out of the back door as soon as anything happens, we will not be able to participate in this mutual ministry, this mutual responsibility of encouragement. Third, we have to know the Word of God. We have to. We have to be in the scriptures. We have to understand what God actually says. So we do need to be, in order to be a good encourager, you do need to be fluent in the scriptures to some degree. We need to understand where God's heart is so that we can be able to speak his heart to other people. Sometimes we don't have God's word, but we have goodwill. Goodwill is great, but that's not biblical encouragement either. We need to be able to be influenced and enlightened by God's heart, God's word, so that we can then communicate that to others. So we need to use the scriptures and remember that, that one, of the, one of the most, one, in many ways, one of the greatest forms of biblical encouragement is the life that we live. So we need to live a life that is such, that can be characterized by just a life of encouragement. Because in many ways, people immediately are going, man, why? Why you're always looking for these things in me and you're encouraging me in these things. Some people may not even know who Jesus is and you're still seeing because they still have the residue of God's image on them like all of us. So so you see certain attributes of God on display and you just start highlighting them. You might even say, hey, that reminds me of God. They may not know who God is, but they at some point may go, you know, you're always so encouraging. Like, well, you know, the way, the way, the way that I believe I really see like how who God is when I see those things on display. We need to be encouraged for us to be thoughtful and creative in how we encourage and how we build each other up. We need to be disciplined and deliberate in our encouragement. We need to know how to use the scriptures, but also remember what it means to live a godly life. And and listen, the scriptures show there are some people who have a spiritual gift of encouragement. We see that in Romans 12. There are some people who are gifted to be exhorters and encouragers, and they have a special, special gift to do that, which is another reason why we need church, because you need to be around those people who are specially gifted to be encouragers, by the way. But we all are called to do that. We all are expected to be engaged in the ministry of encouraging one another. It's a command, yes, but it's also a very blessed opportunity to make an eternal impact on each other's lives. And in some ways, with minimal effort on our part, Imagine, imagine what would happen if we were a church where everybody seeks out to encourage one another. Imagine what kind of, not just numerical growth, imagine what kind of substantive depth and growth would would occur. Imagine the blessedness, imagine the unity. This is why we need the church. This is why you need the church, because you, like I, need encouragement. We will not make it without it. Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you for all the ways that you continue to show us that you love us, all the ways that you show us what it is that we need. God, I'm thankful that you don't wait for us to always figure out what we need. You see what we need and you provide what we need before we even have the words to articulate them. And so God, I pray that you would make it so clear in our hearts, not only why we need you, but why we need true encouragement of your people and why we need to be encouragers of your people. 
God, I pray that we would, uh, even if we have been hurt by churches and we've seen that done wrong, may we not throw out the proverbial baby with the bathwater. May we see what you have called the church to be and still believe that your church is on mission to be exactly that. Let us be people who are a part of that, trying to see that be made better. Lord, we know that we have so many things in our own lives that need to be encouraged, ways that we fall, ways in which we fall short. Let us humbly recognize that, which then in turn will make us recognize even more our need for you and your church. May it be true of our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Receive this final blessing from God today, now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. It is to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power, both now and forever. And all of God's people said, amen. God bless you. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures. Thanks for listening to this message from Icon Community Church. Please visit us online at iconcommunitychurch.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.